We're going to go ahead and jump right into week five of our series. Uh, we've been studying the Sermon on the Mount, uh, and we've been trying to understand what Jesus wants his followers to be and do. And so basically, here we are in week five, and uh, the kind of so- the section title that we've been looking at, and we will be kind of having this section title for the next several weeks as we kind of finish up chapter 5 of this, uh, of this sermon, is a Christian's righteousness. A Christian's righteousness, and in this section we're interpreting the law and its truth, okay? So we're looking at some things uh, that we're going to be building on from last week, uh, that kind of, Jesus kind of begins to open up this section, and we kind of talked about that last week, and now we're going to kind of dive into a little bit more of the meat that Jesus is going to show us as he's kind of reinterpreting the law. So let's look in our Bibles to Matthew 5. We're going to be Matthew 5, 21 uh, through uh, 30, and we're going to be looking at this in the NIV, and it says this, you have heard that it was said to the people long ago, you shall not murder. Anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you, now let's stop here for just a second, and let's remind ourselves that this is something different. This was something that didn't happen ever, that basically someone is teaching not from the authority of Moses or the authority of the scriptures, that Jesus is saying, listen, under my authority, you've heard it said before this way, but I am saying this. So we're seeing a completely revolutionized way of understanding what God has given his people in the Torah and in the law of Moses, okay? And so Jesus, and in the prophets. So Jesus here is basically saying, you've heard it this way. But I'm telling you how to really look at it, okay? How it was intended for it to be. So that's important that you see that. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. Again, anyone who says to his brother or sister, Raka. Now, Raka is a word that was used at the time as kind of a, an insult. as kind of a way of saying, you, you, you dummy, you numbskull, you, you empty-headed person. So it's an insult. It's basically calling somebody a name or something of that nature. Anyone who does that is answerable to the court. And anyone who says, you fool, will be in danger of the fire of hell. So let's continue on with verse 23. Therefore, he continues, if you're offering your gift at the altar and there and there remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to them, then come and offer your gift. Verse number 25, settle matters quickly with your adversary who is taking you to court. Do it while you are still together on the way, or your adversary may hand you over to the judge, and the judge may hand you over to the officer, and you may be thrown into prison. Truly I tell you, you will not get out until you have paid the last penny. Verse 27, you have heard it said, again, we see another thing here. You shall not commit adultery, but I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your eye causes you to stumble, gouge it out and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one body, one part of your body, than for your whole body to be thrown in hell. And if your right hand causes you to stumble, cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to go to hell. Let's pray. Father, obviously I need you. Obviously, my words are not good enough. Uh, they're, just, they're, just, they're just noise. But God, when you anoint those words, and when you speak through me, 
things change and lives change. So, Father, don't let this be just another exercise uh, of coming to church and speaking and, and doing all the checking all the boxes, as it were. But, Father, allow, I pray, I pray that your spirit would just touch our hearts, that you would open our hearts and our minds to what you want to communicate to us as individuals, and that, Father, my words would cease and yours would begin. Because that's what we need. That's what gives us life and changes us from the inside out. We love you. And we thank you. You're so good. In Jesus' name, amen. So, so really what we're going to talk about today, I kind of put it up front so you guys understand it, it, it. Because again, we don't want to have any misunderstanding about what Jesus is doing here. But it's basically this, and this is in your notes. In, the sec- in this section, Jesus shows the true meaning of the law, okay? I, I'm, I haven't decided yet, but maybe for the next couple of weeks when we study these, this little section here, I may put this in the front of your notes every time so we just really make sure we catch this. He's not... <clears throat> Uh, but this isn't Jesus against Moses, okay? It is Jesus against false and superficial interpretations of Moses, okay? So basically what Jesus is saying here is not, I'm against Moses, I am come to destroy the law, I've come to fulfill the law, and we're making sure we understand that. Jesus here is saying, listen, I'm helping you understand what God truly intended from the very beginning when he gave these laws to you in the first place. Okay, so the first one we're going to look at is an interesting one. And basically is Jesus interprets the law against murder. Look at Matthew 5, 21 and 22. It says this, you have heard it said that to people long ago, meaning basically way back when the Torah was written and, and all that sort of stuff, you shall not murder and anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. Again, anyone who says to a brother or sister, Raka, is answerable to the court. And anyone who says, you fool, will be in danger of the fires of hell. Now, what Jesus is doing here, we've got to kind of understand why he's even having this conversation. To Pharisees and, and scribes and things like that, they believe that you could go to the very edge as long as you didn't act on it. Okay, so let's say, let's say I'm, I'm, I'll, I'll use Eli because he's in the front and, and it'll embarrass him probably more than anybody else. No, I doubt it. Anyway, let's say Eli and I have a problem. He's made me mad. He's done something against me. Oh, I'm mad. I'm going to get, get the steam coming out of the ears. Okay, and I sit there and go, ooh, that Eli Mascarenas. Ooh, and I just get a little upset. And I start thinking stuff like, you know, if he fell down the stairs, that'd be good. If he got a splinter and he couldn't get it out, ooh, that'd be good. And I start thinking about it. And I start wishing it. According to the Pharisees and the scribes at that point, hey, they're good. That's completely acceptable. What becomes a problem is if I actually push him down the stairs and he perishes. Now, according to what they believe, even if I push him and he survives, I have done nothing wrong. This is the mindset here. This is all about performance. It's all about the show. It's all about all these things. And Jesus comes in and says, no, 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 no. You've misinterpreted the law. He basically says, if you're thinking these things in your heart, if you're desiring things in your heart, you're just as guilty as if you did it. Now, now here's the thing. Why does this matter to us? Quite simply because I doubt and I pray and hope that no one here has killed anyone. I'm looking around and making sure everyone looks okay. <laughs> I'm making sure no one's like, oh, I gotta go to the bathroom right now or something like that and runs out of here. Okay? We haven't had that issue. But here's the thing. 
I got a feeling, as wonderful as you all are, that we probably have thought some things we shouldn't. We've probably said some things we shouldn't. And Jesus here is saying, hey, listen, according to what God really intended in this, you are just as guilty. Now check this out. Now follow me here. You are just as guilty as taking someone's life as you are by saying something negative about them. I'm going to stop for a second. Just let that sink in. Because I know in my life, and please follow me here, I've killed a lot of people. You know, when, when we talk about words and their power, we talk about these things, Jesus is saying, hey, listen, listen, your words matter. And they kill. They can kill. And make an impact on people's lives. And it's crazy here, because here what Jesus is doing, is he's basically saying, listen, listen, you need to understand how powerful your words are and that you will be held accountable for them. Unfortunately, in the church and in, in our lives, we take out a lot of people on a daily basis. Look at 1 John 3.15. John here continues to expound on this and help us to see what Jesus said. He says, anyone, check this out, anyone who hates another brother or sister is really a murderer at heart. And you know that murderers don't have eternal life within them. A murderer at heart. Listen, I hope and pray that none of us have, have acted uh, on, our, on a physical sense here. But you know what? Let's be honest. And we've got to be honest with ourselves sometimes. How many of us are truly murderers in our heart? How many of us will say things or feel things or want things? How many times do we see a situation with someone and we desire, check this out, we desire negative things in their life? Jesus here is saying, listen, you've misinterpreted the law. You're not keeping the law by not acting out the physical act of murder. You're doing it inside. You're doing it in your heart. And that is just as bad. And so Jesus exposes the essence of the scribes' heresy here. To them, the law was really only a matter of external performance, never the heart. Jesus brings the law back to the matters of the heart, okay? which is what God intended in the first place. Okay, so he's bringing it back. He's saying, listen, listen, it's what's in here that matters. How many times have he said, or Jesus would say, what's in here is going to come out here. It's going to come out here. What starts here comes out. You can only hide it for so long. And Jesus here is reinterpreting it all. and saying, listen, you've got to understand this is deeper. Next, now he moves on to something that goes a little bit along with this, but in a little different way. Jesus deals with problem personal relationships. Look at Matthew 23. Uh, oops, 523 and 23, uh, 26. Therefore, now I've got to remember here, Jesus, if there's a therefore, why is it therefore? Okay, right? So he says, in light of all that I just said about murder and keeping things in your heart, because you now understand this, now we're going to act on it. We're going to do something about it. So therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar and they remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar First go and be reconciled to them, then come and offer your gift. 
Verse number 25. Settle matters quickly with your adversary who is t- taking you to court. Do it while you are still together on the way. Your adversary may hand you over to the judge. The judge may hand you over to the officer and you may be thrown into prison. And then he basically states this. He says, and truly I tell you, you will not get out until you've paid the last penny. So Jesus here now begins to talk about these personal relationships that we have. These problems that sometimes we can have. Now listen, hear, hear me out here. I, I have I, as I've been a pastor for, for a while now, and as a youth pastor and so on and so forth, and I have heard a lot of excuses for not being at church. Okay? And some of them are wonderful, good excuses, okay? Some of them are like, yeah, really, come on, man. But most of them are really good. Oh, we're going to be on a trip, or, or I'm having surgery, and all oh, those are fine. You know, I get it, get it. But never, ever, ever have I had someone come to me and said, listen, I cannot be at church this Sunday because i got to go make something right with somebody that I messed up with. And I will be honest with you, that would be the best excuse ever to miss church. I can't be there. I'm going to go make a, a relationship right again. I've screwed this up, and I'm going to go apologize and ask for forgiveness and make it right again. That's what Jesus is saying here. He's basically saying, listen, you think the show matters. You think what's most important is, oh, i got to do this. you got to deal with the stuff that's there. you got to deal with it and get it fixed. Because here's the thing. He basically is looking at people and going, what matters most... What matters most is not your religious exercise. What matters most is not your church attendance. Even though that's good and important. Though some of these things are good and important. Giving these gifts are important. But he's saying what's more important is to understand that there's something deeper than a religious duty. Jesus, Jesus considers it far more important to be recon, uh, reconciled to a brother or sister than to perform a religious duty. Question. Do you agree with him? Because probably you don't. And you say, oh yeah, I do, Aaron. Yeah, 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 I do. Really? Show me your life and let's look. Do you really believe that? Can you think of people in your life right now that you have odds with? You need to be reconciled with. There was a miscommunication. Maybe there wasn't a miscommunication. Maybe they just did something horrible to you. Or you did something horrible to them. What's more important? Jesus here says, it's not the duty. It's not the gift. It's to leave the gift and go make it right. Hard stuff, isn't it? Jesus don't messing around, folks. Okay? Jesus, when he hits this Sermon on the Mount stuff, he's like, pow, pow, pow. And here's the thing. Okay, I'm going to stop it here so we can have a minute to breathe and remember something. Jesus is giving you some very, 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 very hard things to do. And on your own, you will not be able to accomplish them. But that's why he helps us. That's why he's here. That's why he's walking us through these things as a family and as individuals, okay? So listen, don't, don't at any point in all this, don't go, <laughs> don't look like deer in the headlights. Jesus is going to help us with this, and this is a journey. But here he's saying, listen, if there's stuff, you've got to make it right. You've got to make it right. You've got to go to them and deal with it. And those problems can be fixed and reconciled. Look at Romans 12. In Romans 12, Paul brings this up. He says, do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. Do you follow that scripture? Do you literally do all that you can? Now listen, you may come to me and say, listen, I had this relationship and it got busted because of something they did or something I did. And I went to them and I said, will you forgive me? And they said, no. And blah, blah. Listen, this doesn't say that they're going to respond favorably. This says you do all you can do. And that's sometimes the hard part of this. 
Because I've dealt with people and they say, I know I need to go get this right. I know I need to deal with this. But Aaron, I'm scared because I don't know if they'll forgive me. You know what? That's a fair concern. But scripture doesn't say you go to them if you're guaranteed they're going to accept it right and do what you need them to do. Your job is to do your job. And your job is to go and bring it to them and deal with the stuff. Now look, hear me. I know when I talk about stuff like this, some of you go to some very deep, dark, hurts places. Some of you, you've had family members or people you trusted or people that should have known better that have done things to you. I get it. I know it's hard. But here's the thing. Here's what I want, and I truly believe it's what Jesus wants. There is a freedom that Jesus wants to give you and a healing he wants to give you when you will be obedient to what he's asked you to do. Is it going to be hard? Yes, it is. I'm never going to lie to you. I'm not going to go, oh, it's simple, it's easy. It's hard. But here's my question. Is it worth true freedom? Is it worth true release? Is it worth the peace that comes from knowing that you have done all? Listen, I know in my own life I've had hard conversations with people. And I know I know I probably more people I need to have conversations with because I'm working through this too, Okay. But there is such a freedom and there's such a peace and there's such a release when I have done what God has asked me to do in this area. Even if they don't respond the way I wish they would. I want that for you. I want that for me. And Jesus wants that for us. And so he says, listen, leave it all. Go get it right. Deal with the stuff. Next, Jesus deals and interprets the law against adultery. Okay, look at Matthew 5, 27 and 28. He says, if you're, you heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. Yep, that's right. Good law. Good thing we should do. But I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. <laughs> wow. You know, these are... Uh, this is some stuff here. You know, and we go, oh, we're, 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 you know, we sit up nice and straight. And we're good Christian boys and girls, and, and we don't do those things, and, and, and blah, 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 and wow. Jesus says, hey, listen, this is deeper. And once again, once again, the Pharisees and the scribes, they had this, hey, as long as you didn't act on it, as long as you didn't do it, as long as you, Jesus says, hey, listen, there is something deeper here that you need to be aware of. There's something more that can happen. There's more than just the act. There's the something that takes place deep in your heart that can cause some problems and cause these things and can cause situations to come up. Because let's be honest, can we just, let's be honest with each other. There's a lot of people that don't have affairs and it's not because they don't want to. It's because maybe they're afraid they're going to get caught. Or they're maybe afraid, or that maybe there's not an opportunity. But they're thinking about it. They're fantasizing about it. They're hoping and wishing and praying that there may be an opportunity. Jesus is saying, hey, listen, it matters what you think. It matters what you feel. It matters what you're going through in your heart. 
okay? It, it, I'm, I'm trying to wait really, really hard to get to the very end of this and, I, and to, to get to this point, but I, I don't know if I can wait. Listen, if you haven't got it yet, it's about your heart. Jesus here is saying, listen, it's real easy sometimes to, to maybe stop these things, but it's hard in your heart. It's hard when you stop. Now listen, you go, now you go, you go Aaron, are you kidding me? I, I, how, how in the world? You, I, I, you, you go to Walmart. You're at Walmart or Target, and you're just going, I'm just going to go buy a gallon of milk. And you go in and you get your gallon of milk, and you're going, oh, man, I'm doing good. And then you go by the magazine aisle. And you look over, and you, and off you go. Look, come on, let's be honest with each other. It's hard. We live in a very sexualized world. I used to tease um, our friends in college. When we were in college, we would kind of tease each other, not tease each other, but have this conversation where we really, really liked winter. And it wasn't because snow and things like that. It was, it was just, just, and I'm not, listen, listen, hear me here. I'm not trying to throw rocks at girls, okay? Please, and that's not what I'm saying. But it was a lot easier because they were cold and the girls had to wear more clothing. Okay, you hear me? Okay, I'm not, again, I'm not trying to be a jerk here. It's just, I'm just trying to share my experience. Okay? Because I didn't want to, to allow my heart to go places that it wasn't supposed to go because my eyes, because what I was looking at. What's very interesting is we see this even all the way back in Job. In Job, it's a very interesting thing. We see it in verse 31. It says, uh, verse 1 says, I, now this is what's interesting about this. Job in this chapter is having the discussion with God as far as going, why is this happening to me? He's basically saying, I've been a good boy. And he says this, I've made a covenant with my eyes not to look with lust at a young woman. Listen, some people believe, some theologians believe that Job was one of the first scriptures that was ever written. The one of the first books. It started all the way back. We've been dealing with this. And he makes a covenant with his eyes. And so Jesus here is, again, he's talking about more than just the act. He's talking about the heart. He's talking about it's, it's important to understand that. Jesus explains that it is possible to commit adultery in our heart or our mind. And this is also sin and prohibited by the command against adultery. Okay? You know, you say, oh, I've, I've never had an affair. I've never cheated on my wife. I've never blah, blah, blah. Can we just be honest with each other? And this may hit a little too close to home, but I think we just need to deal with it. Okay, fine. Let me look at your search history on your computer. Let me see what you've been looking at. And everyone goes quiet. Not saying because people are necessarily dealing with it, but because it's the real world, folks. And just because you put a you became a Christian and, and God's transforming you doesn't mean that, that you're not going to deal with this stuff and possibly you are right now. Okay? Jesus is serious about this stuff because he knows what it can do to your heart. He knows what it can do to relationships. Special relationships. The relationship between a man and a woman. How special that bond is and how it can be destroyed. Not just by the physical act of betrayal by adultery, but even deep inside of us. Okay? I'm not here to throw a rock at you. What I am here to do is help you to see that God has something better for you. And better for your relationship with him and your spouse. So Jesus here is saying, listen, you need to understand this. It's not just about the act, it's in the heart. 
And finally, Jesus explains our attitude towards our war on sin. Now, in Matthew 5, 29 through 30, we have an interesting portion of Scripture that has been, quite honestly, in some people's lives, grossly misunderstood. Okay, So we're going to take a little bit of time on this one. But this is what it says. Jesus says, if your right eye causes you to stumble, gouge it out and throw it away. I remember, <laughs> I remember as a kid, I loved reading scripture as a kid, because as a kid, you're just picturing all this stuff. You know, like I'm sitting there going, how would you do that? You know, like, are you digging in? You know, okay, sorry. Uh, you guys are looking at me. It's like I'm weird. Okay. Acting all spiritual like you haven't thought about that. You know, it's like I'm pictured in my mind. Okay, good. Jesus says this. He says, throw, throw it away. It's better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown in hell. And if your right hand causes you to stumble, cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown in hell. Now, let's, let's understand probably something that we all understand here, okay? But let's make sure. Jesus is not encouraging self-mutilation, Okay? We all understand that. Remember, we, we talked about this way, way back at the beginning. This is spiritual stuff, okay? This is deeper stuff that Jesus is talking about in the Sermon on the Mount. So, so listen, you need to understand that, okay? Please do not go home and go, well, I'm going to be obedient and start taking, you know, out, you know, and I don't want anybody to come in with a stub on, on next week. Got it? Okay? Everybody understand that? I think we're good. It's not what Jesus is saying, okay? He's not communicating that. Now, what is Jesus trying to get us to see? What is he stressing? And it's simply this. Jesus is simply stressing the point that one must be willing to practice moral self-denial. Okay? Moral self-denial. Okay? He's basically saying, hey, listen, this is on you. This is on you. You are going to have to take the steps necessary because Jesus knows how hard it is to do the things that he just said. And so he says, hey, listen, it's not going to happen magically. I think sometimes in our Christian walk, we think it's just going to happen. I'm just going to magically be closer to God. I'm just going to magically not sin as much. I'm just going to magically have a better family life. I'm just going to magically have a better marriage. Because Jesus is going to somehow walk up to me with his magic wand and go, Pong, and all of a sudden I'm going to be a perfect Christian. Doesn't work that way. There has to be a plan. There has to be intentionality to what you're doing. You say, Aaron, why should I read my Bible? Why should I pray every day? Because that is a way to get closer to God that won't happen unless you do it. Unless you're studying. Unless you're learning. Okay? It's important. And so Jesus is saying, listen, you've got to practice this. You've got to work at this. Jesus speaks again to this in Mark. Okay? In Mark 8, 34, it says this. Then he called the crowd to him along with his disciples and said... Whoever wants to be my disciple. Now, let's stop there. I hope everybody wants to be like Jesus, right? Jesus is wonderful. A couple months ago, we did this um, series on learning about who Jesus was and introducing. I mean, I don't know about you, but I, I, that was, I loved that series. And, me, and even if no one else did, I loved it. Because I enjoyed learning more about Jesus. Okay. There's times where even today, like Emily and I will be talking and I'll say something and I'll go, I learned that from that series, okay? I learned this about Jesus. And so I want to be like him. I want to be his disciple. So Jesus is saying, hey, you want to do that. This is what you got to do. You must deny yourself and take up their cross and follow me. 
You got to deny yourself. You got to be willing to do your part. You got to be willing to say, I'm going to work on this. I'm not going to allow myself to go through this. I remember dealing with a guy before, and, and um, he was an interesting guy. He was a great guy. And uh, he was a guy that I, was, I knew in college. And he was a little bit older than I was. I was, you know, normal college age. He was, I think, a little bit older. I think he was 25, 26. And, and he had come to know the Lord a little bit later uh, in, his, in his early 20s. But, but because of some of the th- situations in his life and because of some of the things he had been dealing since he was like, fit, like, I think it was like 12 years old with alcoholism. It was very difficult and it had a hold on his life and he was fighting it. He was working on it. But, but it, was, it, was, it was a difficult, difficult thing for him. And I remember we were going to go out and, and we were going to have... Uh, dinner, uh, and we were in college, and I said, hey man, l- let's go to Chili's or Applebee's or something like that, or, or one of the places in Springfield, I don't, maybe it was, I think it was Chili's, doesn't matter, and he just looked at me, and he said, Aaron, I can't go. I'm like, what, what do you mean you can't go? You got something going on? You, what, what do you mean? He goes, no, Aaron, I can't go. I'm like, dude, why? I mean, I'm kind of a jerk, you know, I'm like, what's wrong with you? It's Chili's, man, let's go to Chili's. He said, I can't go. I said, why? He said, there's a bar there. I said, what's yeah, there's a bar there, but we're not going to sit in the bar. I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's a restaurant. You know, we've all been to Chili's and Applebee's. They all have the bars or whatever. You just, he said, no, I can't go. And then it clicked. And I went, oh, we aren't going to Chili's. But he had to have that self-discipline. He had to have that self-control. He had to deny even those things because he knew where that could lead. And I remember having such a respect for him because he knew the, the areas that he could stumble and he was staying away from them. There was a baseball player uh, several years ago. His name was Josh Hamilton. And Josh Hamilton, I remember reading about Josh Hamilton when I was in high school because this guy was like supposedly the best, one of the best young baseball players ever. And he was unbelievable. And he had all this talent and all these giftings. And basically he got into the minor leagues and he threw it all away on drugs and alcoholism. And it was big and bad and it was horrible. And it was just one of those things where you would look at later on and go, oh my goodness, what a waste. What a waste. Well, at some point in his story, he finds Jesus. And Jesus begins to change his life. And, and he actually makes it to the major leagues. And he's, he's a very productive hitter. And he was on a team, uh, the Texas Rangers, that basically went all the way to the World Series one year. And I remember I'm watching this. And, and, and everybody knows about his struggles. And, and everybody knows about the things that Josh Hamilton has gone through. And, and later on, even later, he, he had a stumble. And he, he worked through it. And he's working at it still. I mean, it's still a process for him. But basically, all this was going on. And so they always... At the end of the game, okay, at the end of the game, they go into the locker room. You see these, these things? They go into the locker room. What's in the locker room? They got the cellophane on the lockers to keep everything dry, and they have huge, huge things of, of beer and of, of champagne. And what do they do? They grab them, they shake them up, <laughs> then they spray each other down. I don't know where that came from. It's kind of weird to me, but that's what they do. And I remember watching this. And I would go into the locker room. And I thought this was so cool. And I think this was a lesson that we need to understand with people that we deal with in our lives that are sometimes struggling with things. So they come in. The cameras come in. Everything's the same. All the cellophane's the same. Everything's ready. And they bring it in. And what do they have? 
huge two liters of ginger ale. There wasn't a drop of alcohol in the entire clubhouse. And you know what they did? They grabbed those bottles and they shook them up and they sprayed each other. And they had an amazing time and they asked them about it. They said, where's the champagne? What's going on? And they said, what matters most is Josh. We can spray each other with anything, but we want Josh to be okay. What an amazing moment that we as Christians can and should learn from. But here Jesus is saying, listen, this is about denying ourselves. This is about understanding these things. And he wants us to get that. So, so let's look at it. Let's, let's break it all down as we kind of finish up, as the worship team wants to come up to the front. Look at it. It's in your notes. So this is what Jesus is really saying. Okay? He's not saying pluck things out physically, but this is what he's saying. If your eyes cause you to sin, don't look. If your foot causes you to sin, don't go. If your hand causes you to sin, don't do it. This is what he's trying to communicate. He's helping us and wanting us to understand. Listen, and hopefully you know this about yourself. I mean, this sounds kind of a weird way to put it. But you know that you struggle in certain areas. You're like my friend in college. You're like the, the Texas Rangers ball players. You know there's an area. And so because of that, you stay away from it. Listen, if you're dealing with the sin of pornography, there are ways, and I'll tell you how, that you can have accountability partners to help you with that. Because, I mean, there was a time when I was a kid, it was like, well, just make sure the computer is, is in a public place. Good idea. Remember that? Yeah, youth group? Yeah, yeah. Problem is, now we have our computers in our hands. We go with us wherever we go. So there takes some time. You're going to have to work on this. If you're dealing with certain other aspects, you've got to look at these things and be willing to deny yourself. It means that you maybe don't go where everybody else goes. It maybe means that you don't do some of the things that everybody else does. Okay? It's denying it. It's understanding that. Several years ago, there was a TV show on TV uh, that was kind of like, uh, it was, I think it was called Mad TV. It was kind of like a sketch show, you know, like Saturday Night Live or something. And, and uh, one, one year, one, one, one episode or one thing, uh, they always had guest stars, and Bob Newhart was on. I like, I remember watching, uh, was it New, was, I think it was called Newhart. I remember watching Newhart growing up. And, Bob, and I think Bob Newhart's funny. And so he's this, he's this counselor, he's this therapist, and this woman comes in and, and basically says, oh, I'm dealing with this or this or this or this or this, and, and it's hard and, and all these sort of things. And he looks at her and he says, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you a quick answer. If you can, you can do this, if, 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 then everything will get taken care of. And the lady's like, okay, okay, well, well, what is it? And he basically says, I don't remember exactly, but he basically says, stop it. Stop it. And she goes, well, I'm having fear and anxiety. He goes, stop it. Well, I'm dealing with this. Stop it. And I remember laughing. Ah, it's funny. You know what? But you know what? A lot of times in our lives, in the Christian world, okay, you know what pastors and other Christians do? We look at people that are dealing with stuff. And we just say, well, stop it. Stop it. That's leading to stuff. Stop it. 
You're doing that? Well, stop it. You know what's interesting here about all of this that Jesus has done? Jesus doesn't just look at us as followers of him or even people that don't and just say, stop it. You see, because the Pharisees and the scribes kind of, if you get me here, they kind of stopped it. But their hearts was filthy. You see, what Jesus wants to do is, yes, he wants you to stop it. But he understands the best way for you to stop it is for you to allow him to come in here, change this, rearrange this, make this brand new. And then you know what? It's a lot easier to stop it. Will you be perfect? No, you're going to mess up. But a lot of times what we try to do is, is, is behavior modification instead of heart transplants. And it frustrates people, and it angers people, and it's frustrating. I can guarantee you those Pharisees and those scribes, no matter how perfect they tried to be, always fell short. Why? Because they thought they could act it out. They thought they could, could their, their actions could make it all right and all good. And Jesus says, no, 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 you're missing it. It's the heart. It's the heart. Listen, as people in our own lives and people that we love and care about, we need to stop looking at him and just say, stop it. We need to look at him and say, listen, if you want to stop it, Jesus can help you, but he's the only way to do it. Jesus reinterpreted the law because he fulfilled it. He said, listen, if you're going to fulfill the law, if you're going to be able to do these things, the only way is through me. The only way to the Father is through me. Not your perfection, not your attitude, not your stuff. It's coming through me. allowing him to reach down in our heart and begin to shape and mold it. It's what we were talking about last week in Jeremiah and Ezekiel where God comes and he takes out that heart of flesh and he, or a heart of stone and he puts in a heart of flesh and of his spirit and of his goodness. Listen, hear me. If you for a long time or maybe a short time have been trying to live this Christian life and you've been doing it on your own, you will fail. It won't be good enough and all you'll get is angry, bitter, and disillusioned. But if you understand that what Jesus wants to do is not just save you, but reconcile you and fix you, and that's a process then things can change. Because when you do mess up, you understand, I'm not there yet. I'm not all I'm supposed to be yet. God, oh my goodness, we're back in, in, in children's church. God's still working on me. Remember that? To be the person or be the man or whatever it is I'm supposed to be. It's like somehow we get out of, big, out of little kids' church and we get into big church and we think we got all our stuff together. We got to fool everybody. And God's like, no, 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 no. I'm still wanting to change your heart. I'm still wanting to move in your life. I'm still wanting to do these things. That's what Jesus wants to do. Not just tell you to stop it, but to say, I'll change your heart. So more than just you don't want to do it, deeperness there. You want to not do it because you're in love with Jesus, because he's changed you from the inside out. So can we do something? Let's just pray, okay? Let's just all kind of quiet ourselves, however you need to do that, and let's just begin to look deep in our hearts, okay? Now look, you can spend this time looking at your actions, but if you do that, you're going to miss it, okay? 
Because no matter how perfect you are or how unperfect you are, Jesus here is not talking necessarily in this moment about the actions. He's talking about the heart because Jesus understands when the heart changes, check it out, when the heart changes, the actions will always change as well. Because what's in here comes out all the time. You can fake it for a while, but it'll eventually come out. And so don't listen to the lies of the enemy who starts to bring up all the stuff you have or haven't done. This is about your heart. Where's your heart? You say, well, yeah, I've, I've been following, quote unquote, all the rules, but my heart. Listen, listen, here's what's amazing is the Pharisees and the Sadducees, they were following all the rules, but their heart was far from Jesus and he was standing right in front of them. You can follow all the rules. You can live it all right and you can still be far from Jesus. Listen, I'd rather be imperfect, working on my salvation, having God change me from glory to glory and be close to him than live a perfect, moral, every moment, perfect life and be far from Jesus. Jesus even said when he separates the goats from the sheep, there'll be some of you that do all these things in my name and I'll look at you and I'll say, I don't even know you. I want to be known by Jesus. And the way I'm known by Jesus is to allow him to have a personal, intimate relationship with me where he works on me and changes my heart. So how's your heart? How is your heart? You say, Aaron, my heart's hard, my heart's cold, my heart's indifferent, my heart's bitter. My heart. Listen, whatever your heart is, God can take it and he can change it in an instant, in a moment. Now, that doesn't make you perfect or make your life perfect, but it does mean that in that moment, Jesus walks with you and he begins that process of, of, of changing you from the inside out. So I just want to ask, I don't do this every week and I just feel like this is a week to do it. So I'm just going to be obedient, okay? There may be some of you that have never had that moment or, or maybe you have, but it was a long time ago. You've never said, Jesus, come in and fix me. You've never gone to Jesus and said, you know what? I can't do this. I need you. I've messed up. I need your love. I need your forgiveness. I need your grace. And if that's you today, you can, God will give that to you. You say, I've done too much. Nonsense. You haven't. There will never be a hole so deep that you've dug for yourself that God's rope of forgiveness can't reach the bottom of. You get me? Doesn't matter if it's a foot deep or 10,000. He's got rope long enough to reach you. But you got to grab the rope. And that begins this change. Some of you may have accepted him and still are living for him, but, but you've kind of turned your walk into this kind of religious exercise of, of how good you are and how, how right you are and how you do this or that. And really, you kind of become like the church in Revelation. You've lost your first love. You've let your heart grow cold. You know him in your head, but you don't know him in your heart. And Jesus wants both. But above all, he wants your heart because that's where the spring of life comes out of. Okay? 
But here we got to always remember this isn't about performance. This is about letting God change our hearts. So listen, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to ask those two questions, okay? Now, here's the deal. This is between you and the Father. And I truly believe that. So I'm going to ask that everybody respect that, okay? Now, as your pastor, as your shepherd, I want to know so I can pray and be there and effectively minister to you, okay? This is between me. This is not something I share. This is just something that I can keep. And when I get in my prayer closet and I'm spending, that I can say, God, this is what happened. I'm so thankful for this person. And I can begin to call out for you. Okay? That's it. But nobody looking around. I'm just going to ask the first question. Are you going, Aaron, listen, man. Maybe, maybe I've done it before. It was a long time ago. But right now, my heart far away from him because I really haven't accepted him. I haven't grabbed a hold of that gift of salvation. And today I can, and today I will, and today I know that God's going to forgive me. So here's what we're going to do. I want you in just a few seconds to look at me, and I'm going to make eye contact with you. And if I make eye contact with you, you can look down, okay? Okay? And if that's you, whether it be, uh, I'm just not really living it right now and I need to kind of go back to him or the first time. It doesn't matter, okay? So I'm going to have everybody's eyes closed so that I can know and pray. So if that's you, look at me and make sure I make eye contact. All right, good. Anybody else? Good. Good. Anybody else? Awesome. Awesome. Sweet. Good. Good. Thank you, Jesus. Now I'm going to ask the second awesome amazing now i want to ask a second how many of you you know jesus but you've turned your life into something it shouldn't be your actions may look good but your heart's far from him and you want to come home you're kind of like that prodigal son you know whose son you are but you're living in a pig pen and it's time to realize that and come home and let the father embrace you again because you're not living exactly how you should okay that's now i want people to look at me and it's dealing with that come on quickly quickly anybody Come on. Okay. Awesome. Awesome. Father, we come to you right now. Let's all stand. Father, we come to you right now. And Father, there were several people that looked at me for these two things. So Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, I just pray for them. I pray for them. I pray that, Father, that they will look to you because you are their source and you are their song, and you can do only what you can do and make their hearts new, and make their hearts new and change them from the inside out. Thank you, Jesus. Now, now listen to me, folks. Some of us looked up at me, and I want us to all pray together, okay? Let's all pray this prayer together. I want you to repeat after me. Father, I love you. Thank you for sending Jesus. I understand I need him. I understand I can't do this without him. I need his grace. I need his forgiveness. I need him to change my heart. So right now, if I never have or I'm not living the way I should, I accept you. I accept your gift of forgiveness. 
I accept your gift of grace. I believe you are who you said you are. So now change me. Change my heart. And never stop. Change me from the inside out. So the actions I I do reflect the change that you've done in me. I love you, Jesus. In Jesus' name.